Hey guys, if you like Casual KO, it is now on YouTube. You can see us in all of our glory talking about these fights with some cool graphics that I put together for each card. There's uh, 11 fights on this card, so we go through 12 slides. And uh, there's some data on the fighters up there, some of their statistical numbers and whatnot. And just wanted to try to do something a little different. Wanted this to have its own thing. So please check it out. Follow the Casual KO channel. If you followed the Dangerous World podcast channel, you're already following it. Uh, I just switched it over. The content's not safe that I do on the show, typically, for YouTube. So changing the YouTube to exclusively MMA stuff and going to keep Dangerous World podcast the conspiracy stuff. So I want to keep that short. I kind of explained that here a little bit, but please do me a favor. If you like this show, go and follow casual KO, like the first video that's up there, comment, all that good stuff, depending on what time you check it out. Uh, I don't know exactly how long it takes for YouTube to put things up, but it may or may not be up yet. So if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, checking on it and maybe giving it a watch, let me know what you think of the graphics, all that cool stuff and uh, leave a comment and like it. I appreciate that very much. Gonna be an annoying uh, YouTuber for a little while, unless it doesn't go very well, which uh, we'll see. It's gonna be tough for me uh, me to match these numbers on the audio listens to the YouTube, but I think it'll get there. Visuals are always fun. So um, yeah, thank you guys. Please go check it out and enjoy the audio if that's more your thing. Dangerous World uh, podcast regular episodes are coming out. There's actually one today that I am, am releasing. So if you're hearing this, Make sure that you go and listen to the stuff that you probably usually come here for. Talked with Operation Red Pill. Talked about all kinds of great stuff. It's always a fun conversation with them. We touched up more on the Mothers of Darkness. Uh, talked about Jewish mysticism. Some stuff that's kind of more in their wheelhouse. And uh, it was just an incredible conversation. So go check that out as well. Thanks for all that you do, guys. And thanks for the listens. Tell friends about the show. All that good stuff. We'll talk soon. Enjoy this one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Casual KO here on Dangerous World Podcast. Uh, trying something new here, you know, wanted to try and get this onto YouTube, mess around a little bit and uh, see what was going on. There's a lot of gambling shows out there, man, and a lot of UFC shows. And something kind of clicked with me this week is how misinformed some of these shows are and how bad some of them are. Not all of them, but half the shows I was listening to didn't understand that this card was not in Mexico. Okay, this is in Las Vegas for UFC Noche. Um, literally half of them were like, oh, this is great. It's good. It's in Mexico City. And I'm thinking, dude, okay, that's bad, first of all. And then a lot of other people were also not understanding why Alex Reyes had been out for six years. And they were just saying, man, I don't understand why the UFC's kept him around. It's crazy that this guy just hasn't fought in six years. And no one mentioned the medical issues or anything like a couple people did. But something clicked. And I'm like, man, if we just put like a little tiny bit of effort into this, I think you know, more and more people would listen to it. So want to get it on YouTube more. want to have some cool graphics and things like that. This is the first iteration. There's going to be a lot more to come. Um, I'd like to actually do two slides for each fight. But for right now, last minute kind of thrown together shit. But I think that you guys will enjoy it if you are watching here on YouTube. This will be available on the Dangerous World podcast podcast feed as well. But um, yeah, man, we we did last week. We had a good time. 
uh, some some pretty solid. Like I, I don't know. I think what we had a good bet betting night overall, but some of the Australians really pissed me off. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we we talked about this and we we were talking uh, over Instagram and it was rough, dude. Um, there were some that that really came through. And then some really didn't. Tai Tuivasa in particular really kind of let both of us down. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't want to ramble on too long before I bring you in here, dude. What's going on with you and what do you think about uh, UFC 293? Yeah, man, I I enjoyed it. Um, man, the main event, like, let's just talk about it right now. Like, Big Stricko, he's the king of the world. Um, I love it, man. In terms of betting, I... Uh, I kind of did a hedging strategy just for that. Just we're just talking about the main event. I um, so I kind of like I I sold my I, I sold out. I, I really feel like I sold out because I went like seventy percent of my money on Izzy for the mm. KO, and I hedged with Strickland. On. Well, I hedged with Strickland, so I kind of broke even. But yeah, I still felt just like a big sellout, like because I like obviously like we both know what I wanted to happen, what we both wanted to happen, and it happened. Um, so that, that was great. So I was, I was really happy that that happened, but I was just like, man, I would feel so much better if I, um, like really backed my guy going into this as well. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was incredible. Strickland just did the things that he does. Um, and I really like, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm talking like out of tone here or jumping on any bandwagons, but I really do feel like it did expose a lot of holes that Izzy actually does have. Um, the fact that he's like 80% of his style really is predicated on like countering mistakes, mm-hmm. um, not fighting off the back foot, um, I think leg the biggest kicks hole like- in Izzy's game, man, not to cut you off is his mental. Um, I think he's very weak mentally. I think that's the problem. He has this Sean, main character complex. Yeah, definitely. I've heard other people refer to that. And Sean definitely got in his head. Um, yeah. And it's just so funny hearing all the excuses people are making now for like Israel when it's like literally like leading up to the fight, it was like, oh, Strickland can't even look in Izzy's eyes. He's shook. And then when he's walking out, it's like, oh, he's so scared. He's... He's so worried. Look at him. Um, and basically all the things that they were using for, for, for Sean, like they now are using for Israel, you know, like they're saying, Oh, maybe Israel was too active. Well, in the last like 14 <laughs> months, I'm pretty sure Sean's had two more fights in Israel. Yeah. Um, he did a turnaround December to January fight. He was the last fight of the year and the first fight of the year. Yep. Like you, you, there is no excuses. They're like, oh, he didn't look the same. Yeah. And he didn't look the same after the first round. He looked looked normal in the first round until he got knocked down and hit with 20 unanswered hits in 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, I just feel like people aren't giving Sean his respect, man. Like, he he just went out there and fought the way he always fights. But it was the the perfect counter to Izzy's style. All Sean had to do was not make a mistake. And he didn't make that mistake. And it worked. Like... It was, it was just so cool to watch. And now we have this un-PC, say whatever's in his head, crazy, come-from-nothing dude as a champion. And it's just, like, so fucking cool to see, man. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, like, really happy for Sean. I'm so happy for him. It's deserved, like, good on him. I hope he gets a couple million dollars now. Like, it's, it's really cool. 
Yeah, and, and uh, I really hope that they don't give Izzy that immediate rematch. It's stupid if they do. Uh, it would be good for Sean if they did because the pay-per-view points would probably be pretty great there. But you could also do, obviously, DDP, uh, Robert Whitaker, Hamzat, Paulo Costa, whoever ends up winning that match. There's a lot that can happen there for him. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm super happy. We, you know, for people out there that don't know, you know, Nick and I do this betting thing where it's a friendly bet type situation where we're using fake money. We also bet with our actual dollars. We're using fake money. We're betting each other using fake hundred dollar units. And, um, you know, so, so we're not just when we throw picks out there, they're not bullshit picks. We both put money our our hypothetical dollars on Sean Strickland because a there's no point in betting anyone that is at $650 uh you know 6 minus 650 I should say um there's no point in doing something like that right if you're only doing money lines so we actually both did bet Sean Strickland but admittedly we both were like yeah it's realistically you know Sean's not going to win you know but he ended up doing it, man. And, and he he looked great doing it. Um, it wasn't the sexiest fight in the world. There was nothing flashy going on. But that's how Sean fights, man. It's literally a sparring match every time he goes out. And, um, yeah, man, he he's a lot smarter. He's a lot, I think, a lot more of a better person than he leads on. And, yeah, dude, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I'm really happy for him. I think that, like he said, it brings some some excitement and some pride back to the middleweight division. If Alex Padilla was still the champion, it'd be the same. It, uh, no one, uh, Israel Adesanya's fans are kids. You know what I mean? They're little kids. Um, there's no adults. I will, I will say, just to interrupt, like, I was a massive Izzy fan. I, I really was, like, like, leading up to the championship, even when he beat Rob. Um, as an Aussie, I was an Izzy fan. I was happy that he beat Rob. That was exciting for me. And even um, Costa fight. Wanted Izzy to win. Uh, Romero fight is where I started to get a little bit, like started to get, mm, and then sort of after there is where I started to fight by fight, press conference by press conference, start to not be as much of a fan. And then by the point we hit this fight is when I was kind of where you're at, where you kind of like despise Izzy. I think you appreciate some of his fighting styles. Like he definitely has some skill, but like as as a person and stuff, you don't like him. And I, that's the kind Cannoneer of where I was where I was fully out after that Cannoneer fight. That's where I, yeah. so I was 50, 50. Like I was never like, Oh dude, I love Izzy. I've never put a dollar on him betting. Um, so I've never really liked him. I've always thought that he was kind of the most overrated one. I don't like him or Usman. I always like was whatever about Ngannou just talking about those African champs, but there's an arrogance to them, man. Um, not because they're black, you know what I mean? Like I love Jamal Hill and he like, as far as we're talking about, like if we're talking about African-American champions, black champions, whatever, I didn't really have anything against Aljo either. Um, but there's an arrogance to those, those like Nigerians and then where Cameroon, right. I think is where, uh, Francis is from. I don't know what it is, man. I, for some reason they rub me the wrong way. I know you feel similar to Usman. It's not a racial thing, but I think it's a cultural thing more than anything. And Israel Adesanya is like the least black fighter on the freaking roster, dude. The dude's like Chinese, like like uh, freaking Strickland said, man. So I'm honestly happy. I, I couldn't be happier, man. We could talk about that all night. Um, I don't know if there's anything that you want to mention um, from, from 293 before we move into UFC Noche. Um, nice um, the, tie, here. the tie fight did think 
did go how I thought. Like if Volkov was going to win, that's kind of how I did think he was going to win. I thought there was a small chance maybe he could go to a decision, but I was like, ultimately, I think, you know, like I was tossing up with how long Ty went with Garn and I was like, mm. but yeah, I just thought the, the reach was ultimately going to be like that. I hoped that everything that I had that it wasn't going to happen, but yeah, unfortunately it did. Ty got pretty fucked up. But yeah, I mean, look, bad. look it, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's hard for a guy that's, you know, Ty's, I don't think Ty's that tall. I think he's maybe six foot, six foot one, you know, going up again, like Volkov, who's like six foot seven and knows how to use that reach. Um, yeah, it was, it was a hard task. So that was unfortunate. Um, what else was there? I don't think Poffle that was, was able really to pull it off against else. Lane though, you know, Same, similar yeah. kind of height difference, yeah. but yeah. Lane just sucks. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I I mean, I would kind of agree. I think that he was really scared. I mean, scared's probably the wrong word. He he looked scared. Respe- he respected Tuffer more than he should have if he wanted to get the win. You know, you have to respect Tuffer. He's got like that Mark Hunt, Samoan power. Um, although he's not very athletic or anything, he's he's got that power. But if you want to beat him, you kind of need to throw that respect out the window and and get on top of him and he didn't do that and he paid for it so Got a poke uh, in the i eye. will say the um uh, pedro knockout was pretty nice that was a pretty fucking nice knockout it was good that busted my um i had um so so another thing that i wanted to mention is that we're doing the eiffel tower i i call it the eiffel tower you're gonna call it the ladder and you're starting your first leg this week i started my eiffel tower last week um, which is where, you know, some people do it with different amounts of money. Do, do it. I, I encourage people to try this because it makes it like super fun. But you take, you know, I took 40 bucks, um, turned that into 111 off a four leg parlay. And I had, um, who the hell did I have? I can look it up right now. Um, I had Carlos Olberg. I had the pleasure man. Which that was my my or no that was in my, uh, a secondary parlay. Let me look it up real quick. But yeah, mention what you were going to say about uh about these dudes real quick while I'm looking this up. Yeah, no. So I started I started my ladder on the contender with ten, and I turned that into twenty five, and so now I've got twenty five on a three leg this week on some sh- reasonably short favorites. But you know, like we said before, I. I wouldn't really like to throw any like minus five or six hundreds in, so I haven't done that. But three legs, I think it's uh, well two dollar twenty odds here. I I don't know what that would be. Okay. So it's it's uh twenty five into sixty, I think. And then so yeah, basically as you're saying, it's it's a ladder challenge where you try and you sort of set a goal for yourself. So my goal on the twenty five dollar parlay was to try and make fifty. It turns out that my three legs equaled to sixty, and then you sort of just set goals for yourself with an ultimate goal in however many weeks, whether it be five, six, seven weeks. Obviously, you're kind of pushing your luck if you want to go and try and do twenty weeks or something. Um, I think my goal's five weeks. Um, okay, but yeah. You just kind of try and build it up, obviously, as you were saying. Yeah. And did you say that that yours got busted on on that? No. So, so I had the four leg, like, and and I'm posting these on Instagram too. Uh, it's Dangerous World Pod on Instagram is where I'm posting these. Um, but I did Nazarat. I did uh, Jamie Malarkey, which was a robbery, but I, I'll take yeah, the win when lucky. I can take it. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely got lucky there. Carlos Olberg and then Manel Cop. 
Um, right. so I knew hit. when I knew when Jamie Malarkey won that that was basically in the bag. Um, but I had also so that was forty into one hundred and eleven and ninety one cents, and I did a six legger with an additional forty dollars, which was Gabriel Miranda, who was my dog of the week. I love that dude. I I really liked him here against Shane Young, who came in four pounds overweight, which is mm. wild. Um, I had that as well. I liked that. That was good. Yeah, bit. man. So I had a six legger and Anton Turkali was the one that fucked that up for me. And I was talking so much shit on his uh, Instagram uh, right afterwards. But <laughs> I had Gabriel Miranda, Nazarat Hakpras, Jamie Malarkey, Carlos Oberg, Anton Turkali and Manel Cop. That four, $40 would have turned into $490 had that hit. And if that motherfucker just went out there and showed like a shred of the confidence that he acts like he has, um, I think that he would have beat um, beat Tyson. And Pedro. so I messaged you, and I was actually on the other side of that with, and it was pretty good. So I had Tyson Pedro first round KO at uh, yeah like plus eight hundred, um, and then I also had the Pedro KO at like plus four hundred, plus five hundred. I think it was somewhere around there. Um, so yeah, I was, I was pretty happy with that fight to see it get done so quick and so clean. Like it was an yeah. actual nice knockout. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Great. Like it wasn't just a filthy, um, Justin tougher knockout or something, you know, it was like clean, technical, patient. It was nice. It was, I was impressed. Yep. It was definitely a, a big bust for me. Now I'm going to get into my parlay and you can mention yours, um, as we go through the fights, but I say we move into this because we got a lot of ground to cover here, and I'm sure that we're going to talk back and forth about some of these card with big favorites and and the the questionable fights with not such big favorites have been juiced to the point where nothing's really playable right now. Um, if you're unless you're taking an underdog, so you have to get on these early in the week. Even my parlay, uh, it's at one sixty five plus one sixty five. And uh, now I think it's like almost at even money. So if I were to cancel it out and try and like, you know, if I got some cold feet or whatever, and then I ended up trying to decide I would lose tons of money uh, or leave some money on the table rather. But we got UFC Noche. This is in Las Vegas. This is not in Mexico, like a lot of people have thought for some reason. And you've got the first ever Mexican champion, Alexa Grasso, taking on just like one of the most dominant females of all time, Valentina Shevchenko in the main event and then for some reason the most mexican fight on the card is the co-main you got a black dude and a white australian dude fighting so there's not a single mexican on the uh, it's the weirdest thing to have um but nonetheless it should be a, a really good fight i'm excited for that one well let's move into it dude let's get into this first fight of the night here yeah. we got a quite a boring fight in my opinion this is one of the worst ones now i've got some numbers up here for people that are watching on YouTube here, basically strikes, uh, the striking differentials, uh, accuracy percentages, defensive percentages, takedown accuracy, takedown defense. And then something that I added that I haven't seen anywhere else, I just kind of decided to throw this in there, is their average UFC fight time. That's, um, a, that's a reasonable stat. That's useful. That's pretty fucking useful. I think so, too, man. I, I'm, I, you know, something that I just kind of thought of. I was drinking last night, believe it or not. And I was like, is there something? <laughs> that we can throw in here that no one else has. And, um, you know, it, it's going to come into effect with more fighters. I mean, with, you know, Tracy Cortez and Jazz, uh, Jasmine Jazzadavicious, they both fight, you know, 15 minutes every single time in the UFC. But there's some where you'll really notice a big difference here. Um, but, yeah, the first fight of the night, guys, uh, you know, Josephine Knutson versus Marnik Mann. Strange way that this whole thing came about. 
um several fights fall through and um nick i know you got tapology up there I, I don't know if you're seeing any kind of opponents that pop out to either one of these i mean obviously josephine knutson not getting her deal in the contender series not getting her contract but still man um i think she's a dominant fighter in general i mean really really similar records here six and oh versus six and one and i think the competition levels are are vastly different i think marnik man you know they call her the sawed off savage she's like five foot two um she's not even that she's like probably four eleven <laughs> that's what i think dude i think that they say that she's five two but when we see these two face off because josephine knutson if i'm not mistaken is five three and again i want to add more stats onto this but there's more than an inch difference between these two ladies when they face off tomorrow. Capology um, has Manic at five foot, and I think she's okay. a t- tad short, shorter than that. Okay. Yeah, she's like that, probably technically a midget, you know, not to be offensive yeah, or whatever. That would, but that would put her in the four in the fours at least. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I mean, I, I I'm not gonna beat around the bush here. Josephine Knutson, a massive favorite. Um, but I am gonna be going with Josephine Knutson as far as a pick, but if I was going to play this at all, I would do uh, Josephine Knudsen by knockout or I would do Marnik man money line. Uh, but for the sake of our competition here, I'm doing Josephine Knudsen knockout um, round two, round three, but I'll go round two. Yeah. I mean, for all the same reasons you said, I've, I've got Josephine as well. Got her by decision, but I mean, with the, with the uh, height difference, the reach and, you know, some of these stats that you've got pulled here without me having to go to the uh, stat side of topology. I mean, you can see the strike absorbs per minute, the striking offense, you know, the takedown accuracy, like it's just all heavily lopsided again, like towards Josephine, um, apart from accuracy, which I mean, with the strikes absorbed and the striking defense, I'd, I'd rather be at 45% than 55%. Um, right. You know, so yeah, man. I, I think it's Josephine all day, and I do think that the, the uh, knockout is is a possibility. Uh, I wasn't playing this fight at all originally, but now that you mention the knockout, and I see these stats, fifteen minutes is a long time, and yeah, I mean that might be something I sprinkle a little bit on. Now, what's interesting too, man, is you know I, I mentioned the average UFC fight time. Marnik Man, uh, she's only had one fight in the Contender Series, and that nine minutes and thirty three seconds was a loss. So, you know, going the distance in in her Contender Series fight, Josephine Knudsen, right? This is one fight to one fight, but Josephine did win her decision. Marnik Man got finished by Bruna Brazil, who's not anything special, right? She got fucking knocked out by my girl Denise Gomes. Um, real quick. So yeah, man, we're, we're seeing eye to eye on this first one. Um, uh, don't be surprised if you see a submission though. I think that she gets a finish, honestly. Um, uh, I think that these women's fights tonight are, are going to be really good. So, uh, moving right along and I'll let you talk this one out first. And, uh, sorry about this picture of Alex Reyes. It's very pixely, but this is what they gave me, dude. If you want to get a picture of him, <laughs> uh, it's going to be, uh, him with a t-shirt on. Or one of his social media pictures, but this is the official UFC picture right here. And uh, I mean, it seems like the UFC just hates this dude. But uh, give me your thoughts on Charlie Campbell versus Alex Reyes. Yeah, I mean, I watched 
Uh, I think I watched a little bit of Charlie Campbell last night. I was pretty high. I was on some tape study. I know Alex Reyes, I think, was out with like a spinal disease or a spinal injury of some sort. E. coli like in the spine. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty mental. Um, yeah, and then I started to look. Like I knew that, and then I started to look at some of his last fights where they were, Mike Perry lost, knockout. Um, and then he, it's, it, I started looking at some of his cancelled bouts because it seemed like he was trying to get back in while he was still injured. And then obviously that sort of got put a halt to. Um, but yeah, ultimately I'm, I'm on the side of Charlie Campbell. Um, he's in my ladder, ladder parlay. Um, I think just everything tells me, you know, I mean, we've seen it before with people like, um, Dominic Cruz and stuff, you know, big injuries, a lot of time out, and they come back and they shine and they're great. Um, but I, I would just tend to, you know, it, I mean, using the same logic, Alex's last fight, lost to Mike Perry by knockout, um, and then five years off with, you know, a lot of injuries. It's not like he's like five years off training in the gym with some ninjas learning some new shit or something. You know, it's probably like three years of like, well, a year of operation time, like right. a year of recovery time, a year of actually getting back to where he was, and then what, another like year of then trying to learn things. You know, I just, I really think it would be silly to put your money or your pick on Alex Reyes. Uh, yeah. But that's just my opinion. I think everything just tells you that it he's probably not going to do well. You know, it might, it seems like it almost might be something in his mind that he's, I mean, I saw uh, some, an article about him. It was an interview that with someone, uh, it was an interview with someone and they were just sort of doing a write up. And it was basically him saying like, looking back on his career and sort of being like, Oh, you know where I could be and where I'm supposed to be if I didn't, you know, have that injury and stuff. So I feel like this is almost just like a bucket list thing for him. Mm. So I just want to go back, have a fight, prove to myself that I can still do it. You know, I, or a contract I, obligation, I think is really what it is. You know, this was one of the things that, like I said, you know, it, it kind of got me into the like it gave me the motivation to actually like try to try a little bit with this show rather than just doing it how we were doing it is that so many people just don't even know why alex reyes was gone dude like the fact that you even knew that he had a medical uh issue is more than what most people know most a lot of people out there just think that this dude took a six-year break for whatever reason because he wanted to sharpen his skills or whatever and that's why they're there a lot of people are saying this is a wild card fight to me, this is not a wild card fight, dude. And and like you, I have him in my second. Uh, you know, this is this will be my second week with my Eiffel Tower betting, um, thing, and I've got a hundred and eleven dollars in change on this. And this is the first leg of this, Charlie Campbell. And I think that he can get the knockout in round one, dude. You're looking at these stats here, and these are both just one fight each. Uh, Alex Reyes had one against Mike Perry, got fucked up quick in a minute and nineteen seconds, as you can see. And Charlie Campbell gets, you know, a, a minute and 43 seconds, but he was beating the shit out of Chris Duncan in his contender series fight. Um, I don't understand how Chris Duncan was able to come back and just basically landed one clean punch and dropped Charlie Campbell. And that was that. But, um, yeah, dude, I, I think Charlie Campbell's the real deal. He's training out of rank, uh, Longo and, uh, Weidman. Um, and, and Chris Duncan's not a terrible loss. 
You know, Chris no, Thompson was pretty, like, pretty good. So, like, that was one thing I noticed that he did lose in the contender by a knockout. But I, I, I saw who it was from, and I was like, well, you know, there's probably a lot of other guys that would have have that same thing happen to him. So, right, you know, and this this guy looks good outside of that. So, definitely, you see the numbers here: seven two, thirteen three. Less experience for Charlie Campbell. He's also quite a bit younger. Um, again, I want to add these stats in, but uh, I don't know if you have those handy right right off the top. Uh, the age difference, I think, is 30 to 36 or something like that um, for Charlie being the 30-year-old. He's but, 28. So, I mean, those two years probably do make a difference. Oh, 28 well, to 36. So, yeah, yeah Alex yeah. Reyes is 36. Charlie Campbell's 28. And one thing I was going to mention before we move on and before I hear your 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 you know final pick um they were trying to match Alex Reyes up with Trevor Peak back in February. They want Trevor Peak to win. They, you know, Trevor Peak has a fan friendly style. They kind of fucked up when they matched him up with Chepe, and then they wanted to get one back on Chepe against Jack <laughs> Jenkins. And I, dude, I bet on Chepe both. Uh, not not the first time I bet on Chepe against Jack Jenkins um, because I think that Jack Jenkins had some karma coming back to him for that robbery against Emmers, and it did end up happening. He, he you know, worse than I would have hoped for. He, you know, ended up breaking his freaking arm or dislocating his elbow or something but then they also matched up reyes with um natan levy that's who he was supposed to fight this fight um the ufc loves natan levy and there might be some weird thing going on because natan levy has a really really nasty blood infection like uh, like almost like life-threatening type shit man wow yeah so it's interesting that alex reyes coming off this nasty thing that he had and now you know his opponent had something crazy going on health-wise um, there's some weird health things with this whole card. You get into Tracy Cortez, who I believe is next. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, let me hear your pick. Um, the reason that I bring those up is because I think that they're trying to kind of feed Alex Reyes to somebody. But uh, what's your? I know you said Campbell, but method round. What do you got? Yeah, I, I just went Campbell KO round two. Um, I think I'm just gonna have a quick look here, see if it was what I thought. Yeah, no, I, I think that I, I I did the typical round two because I wasn't sure if it was, you know, I, I it's it's hard to know what, how this race like chin everything was, you know, he might be able to take a punch. Uh, I, I just it's been so long, uh, he's been injured. I don't know how that affects everything. So I went round two, but I, I do think it's it's going to be a. Uh, I don't think it's going to a decision. I think Charlie Campbell's going to finish this guy. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm going KO round two. 36 years old at lightweight is rough against a 28-year-old who, uh, you know, per minute he's landing almost 10 strikes in his contender series fight. Um, absorbing eight, yeah, eight, 8.7, but still. Uh, moving right along here, we got my girl, Tracy Cortez, you know. <laughs> uh, Tracy Cortez fighting Jasmine, Jazzadivicious. This is an interesting uh, grappling fight right here, right? Tracy Cortez has been off for over a year. Uh, she was supposed to fight Amanda Hebas, ended up um, pulling out of that fight late, like at the weigh-in with some kind of health issue. And then her and Brian Ortega break up shortly after that. Um, I think that she, she, you know, it's tough to really speculate on what happened with Tracy there, but I don't know, man. She's such a dominant wrestler. She's the only girl that's ever beat Aaron Blanchfield. Now, whether she actually beat her or not, that's kind of up for debate. A lot of people think that Aaron won rounds one and three. But, uh, yeah, dude, I, I think uh, Tracy's dominant, man. 
Really, really good wrestler. Striking's bad. She is going against a great wrestler in Jasmine Jastadavicious. You know I like fading Canada, but it's tough here. It's really tough here. I bet on Jasmine her last fight in Canada, and she did Canada proud there. And we have some numbers to work with here. This isn't just one fight each for each one of these girls, and that's kind of how it is going up the card, but they both go to decision every single time they fight. couple split decisions. Um the big thing for me that kind of separates them, I mean, like, if you look at this whole thing, they're really even all the way around their uh, takedown defense, their their takedown accuracy. Everything is so close. But to me, it just seems like Tracy has the slight edge in most things, right? The striking accuracy, the striking defense, the takedown accuracy, the takedown defense she's deficient in slightly, I think she's the younger girl, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But I got to lean with Tracy Cortez, and you know I'm going unanimous decision. Um, this is a Mexico card. I think Jasmine has to put on a clinic and absolutely dominate if she wants to win with all the Mexican fans just, like, roaring for this Mexican chick here, man. <laughs> so, yeah, give me Tracy Cortez. Yeah. Um, Tracy's 29. Jasmine's 34. Um, I tend to agree with pretty much everything you said i think uh jasmine's got pretty good takedown defense um and that's what worries me a little bit in the fight because i think she's also maybe slightly a little bit more technical on the feet um and that could be like the edge that just gets her over the line by decision i am going with cortez by decision as well okay. um assuming that she can sort of get like actually get her to the ground because i'm thinking of a close fight and sort of what would win in the eyes of, of the judges in a close fight and i was like as i said kind of agreeing with everything you're saying so i was like what would be the slight edge that gives Cortez um my pick and and it was sub attempts that ass um yeah that as well um <laughs> do you see her modeling the new gear the other day she was like doing Dude, little yeah. model she's, things she's, for the people I think she's the most attractive girl in the UFC man no disrespect but she's very yeah, she's definitely hot. up there yeah 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 I, I just think when it when it comes to to the slide edges it's yeah it's it's just Sub attempts. If she actually gets her down, she can probably put a bit more pressure on there and and just sort of get get control with some sloppy ground a pound. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if this goes either way. Uh, I don't think I've got either of these girls in any of my parlays or anything. It's just okay. it, it could just go either. Way. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'd be yeah. surprised if a knockout happens. Put it that way. Um, would be slightly surprised if either one of them subs each other. I think it's more likely that Cortez subs just the vicious, but I don't think that's happening. Um, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. Yeah, Tracy's been working with uh, with the uh, fight ready people a lot, and, and you know, getting some good looks over there. And before you take the thunder away from it, I am going to put a unit, an extra unit on Tracy. Um, I don't know if you were planning on doing that yourself, but I just wanted to get get ahead of that. Because this is one of the only closely lined fights, dude. You know what I mean? Like, this is one of the only closely lined fights. I'm not very confident in it, but I'm absolutely putting an extra unit there. Okay. So you got Cortez. Yeah, I, uh, you're going decision? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Agree. I'd love to see a finish, though. 
Um, I, I took that one. You take this one, man. Yeah. Um, I think I watched. No, I didn't watch, but I remember Shares's uh, last fight with uh, yeah, Edgar Chares versus Daniel Lacerda, right? So we got these two yeah. dudes. Yeah. And um, he took Tatsuro to a decision, man. Um, and that was in his debut, which that's pretty fucking good. I seem to remember he was pretty reasonable everywhere. I think he rocked Tatsuro a few times. Dropped him. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, and you, and then on the other side, you, you know, you've got Lacerda. Yeah, he's he's at the point where it's like if if he loses this, he's out of the UFC basically. Mm, and usually that can so. that can make. I mean, four fight skid. It's 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 pretty bad. They give um, four fight contracts, from what I understand, and he this is his fifth UFC fight. Okay, but I I know they also give six fights for starters as well. Okay, so we'll see. I mean, ten and ten and ten on 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 six fights is is most of the time what they'll hand out, which is fucking trash. But yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I just, I know that I can make it the demon come out of a dude and all that, but I've got Ed, Ed Kasharas in my ladder parlay. I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to knock Daniel Lacerda out. Um, Daniel's last four losses, he's been finished. It's not a good look. His last two, he was KO'd on the ground. Um, Ed, Edgar's more than capable of getting dudes on the ground and ground and panning them out. He's good at knocking people to the ground and then doing so. Um, yeah, I think he's going to probably get a ground and pound KO in round two. Interesting. Yeah, man. No, I like the, uh, I like where your head's at there. You're not worried about we'll put an the... extra unit on it. too. okay. I think that the, uh, I like where your head's at. I think that the odds are pretty big, but might as well, if you're confident. Um, you're not you're not concerned with Shirez's kind of slow startedness against such a fire starter like Daniel Lacerda because he hangs back like the the first minute or two of a fight he will wait and he'll try to counter strike and that's when Daniel Lacerda I mean Daniel Lacerda is literally probably the best flyweight for the first two minutes of the fight and that's the <laughs> kind of the part of the fight that Edgar Chirez kind of takes off you're not worried about that. I mean, it's 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 not something that I identified myself, but going back through Edgar's record, you know, this is a pretty like nitpicky stat that I'm going to pull. But just going off any time he has lost, it's it's always been a lot later in the fight. Um, that means fuck all. But yeah, I, well, I mean, him against him, that's an accurate like that's something to bring up for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at the average fight time of Daniel Serta, four minutes, 91. Um, I don't know. Is he all losses in the UFC? Yeah, he's 0-4 in the UFC, yeah. Okay. Okay, so that is all lost time. Yeah, man, look, it's it's, it's something I'll look at, but I'm 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 already pretty confident with Shara's. Um, it, it's definitely just off of... You know, it's it's the same as when people do good against um, like a Basharat or right, Mikhaev right. or something like that. For me, it stands out. Um, so yeah, I I, I just think it, it's it's the skill's going to win. 
the skill's going to win out. Yeah. Yeah, look at that striking differential for Lacerda too, uh, throwing 5.7, or I'm sorry, 4.75 out and absorbing 9.76. I mean, the dude is getting hit a lot more. Um, They both don't have great striking defense either. No, no, neither one does. Um, And then I do want to point out too, before we get to it, uh, I was doing this card backwards earlier or when I, when I threw these together. So the strikes absorbed in the later fights, it says strikes defended. And then I realized that I was like, Oh fuck, I got to change this. And then, you know, but I, I didn't go back through and edit all of them. So uh, defended or absorbed will change to defended in a little bit here, but you know, I hate to go against you because you're you're trying you're building this ladder here, man. But I am going to pick Lacerda here. Um, yeah, and the, the I thought reason- that was the way you were going. By the way, you were talking. <laughs> yeah, man. It, you know, and I, when I saw you sent that, I was like, "Fuck, dude!" Like, you know, I don't want to say it because I, I hope that you. I hope honestly, dude, I really do hope that you hit that uh that parlay and you can get that ladder going because it's fun. And then, like, you know, I want to see what you do next week and shit. But I am taking Lacerda because I think, and don't let me talk you out of it, obviously, but. I think that his coaches have to sit down. He's fighting out of shoot box, right? Uh, Diego Lima's uh, gym, if I'm not mistaken. He's he's with Charles and all these, you know, great fighters out there. His cardio is just junk. He fights like all those other dudes. The other guys just have better cardio, and I don't know what it is. His cardio is not going to go – it's not going to get better in the four or five months since when he fought CJ Vergara, which I don't know if you remember that fight, but he had CJ Vergara running around that entire octagon. Like the mm. dude probably ran a quarter mile in that in that <laughs> and um, it says you know, he fights out of ATS team. I remember okay. seeing that because I thought the same when I was looking last night. I was like, "Isn't he a shooter box?" And then I had to look at the gym and it said ATS team. I was like, "Oh, I guess he's not shooter box." Okay, is that on topology there? They might they might have that yeah. right for sure. I, I just saw a bunch of pictures with him and and Charles and Diego and all those dudes, but. Um, so yeah, we'll say he's not at shooter box, but he fights like that style, right? He's got the bleach chair, bleach chair, Brazilian, you know, it's kind of that thing. But like I was saying, man, like, I think your coaches have to sit you down and they have to say, dude, just fight the way that you fight for eight minutes and then try to get <laughs> to a decision. You know what I mean? Win round one. Cause I don't think he's ever lost round one. If he doesn't get finished, you know what I mean? He always wins round one. Win round one, win round two, and then just survive round three. You know, mm. I think that he can do it, man. I and and like I said, I I don't want to you know change your mind or anything, but um, Edgar Chires is good. I mean, he's freaking tough. He's got a chin. It's going to be really hard for Daniel Lacerda to finish him. But the reason why I am again going with him is because so many other referees would have ended that C.J. Vergara fight two or three times. He knocked him down five times in that round, in round one. And a lot of other referees would finish <laughs> that fight, but it was in C.J. Vergara's hometown of Texas, uh, somewhere in Texas, San Antonio. So they let him fight out, and good for him. I mean, good for that ref, good for C.J. for pulling that off. Mm-hmm. But I think that any other circumstance, that fight gets finished, man. And I don't, I, I personally don't think that Edgar's as tough as C.J., but that's just my thought on this, dude. Um, so I'm going Daniel Lacerda. I'm not putting any extra units on it because, like you said, the dude just, you know, he's not good outside of round one. But I'm going with that round one knockout. I think that he can get that done probably even, like, first couple minutes, man. This might be a crazy quick flyweight under here. But, um, yeah, Daniel Lacerda, round one KO, man. That's my thought. 
Um, but I, I hope that you hit that, man. I, I'm not going to put too much money on that live. I don't have him in any parlays or nothing. So, no, I mean, like what is like, obviously, as I said, the, the slow starting of Edgar didn't stand out to me, but the fast starting of Daniel absolutely did. So, I mean, that's, it's, it's something that, that I was aware of and it's absolutely a possibility. I just, he's done it four times before and four times before it didn't work for him. So I just had to go off that. You're not wrong, man. A lot of people are on that side. And I think, um, I think it's probably the smarter side, but I just, you know, every once in a while you got a feeling about something. I had a feeling about Austin lane last week and that didn't look how that fucking worked out. So we'll see. Um, you took that one, right? I will go with, uh, Roman Kapilov, dude, Roman Kapilov versus Josh Fremd. One of my least favorite fighters, man. I really am not a fan of Josh Fremd. Um, and, and this is, you know, that typical grappler versus striker situation. Got a nice middleweight fight here. Some of the cleanest striking that I've ever seen from Roman Kapilov. And I was against him last time he fought. Uh, he fought Claudio Hiberio, who I actually it's, like. What it's funny you say that because I was watching tape last night, watching him just going, fuck this dude's got clean striking and i'm like doesn't ryan hate this dude i'm like how can you fucking hate this dude look at his striking no i don't i don't hate are you talking about roman kapalov i don't hate roman at all i hate josh yeah so yeah i like i was i i swore that you didn't like roman because i was sitting there watching him like watching tape last night i was like man how can you not like this dude he's fucking he's pretty sick like i might I might have talked some shit because I was on Hiberio. <laughs> I like Hiberio. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, actually yeah. like his style. A lot of people hate on him, too. And I, I like him. I like how he does the hair shit. You know what I mean? That stuff's always fun. And he's a great striker, too. But that clean head kick that Roman uh, landed on mm. him. I mean, you know, I was iffy on, on Roman. I was like, oh, dude, this dude, you know, if you get a, if you pair him up against anyone that can grapple whatsoever, he's done, right? He's been improving his takedown defense. You look at it right here, 90% takedown defense for the kid, right? Which is better than Josh Fremd, who wants it to go to the ground, obviously. But his takedown accuracy is even better than the wrestling mm-hmm. dude. So, and Ribeiro, Ribeiro tried a little bit and to no success. Right. So Ribeiro is a striker, or Ribeiro, we should say. Yeah. He's a striker. Um, Josh Fremd is a wrestler. His claim to fame is beating Cedric Dumas, who sucks. You know what I mean? Um, dude, I'm going Roman Kapilov all day. I'm going to go round two knockout. Um, I wanted to do round one, but Roman is in my, uh, Eiffel tower. I'm calling it. I'm not calling it ladder. I'm trying to make my own thing here. Um, he's in my second leg of the Eiffel tower along with, um, with Charlie Campbell there. So feeling strong about that, dude. I don't think that anyone could argue those two legs, but we'll see, man. It's a freaking fist fight. So I'm going round two knockout for Roman Kapilov. I think he just beats the shit out of this dude, man, who, you know, this guy, that performance against Jamie Pickett was piss poor. Um, It was very recent too, which is strange. Obviously Kapilov not fighting too long ago either, but Josh Fremd seemed like it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I'm exactly the same as you. I'm a couple of K around too. Watched some tape last night. Typical I already had you finishes. written down here too, by the way. I had to yeah. cop a love under your shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, he sort of uses the first round to, to, to figure things out. And then usually by the second and third round, he's got it figured out and, and he yeah. connects. Um, I think Frem's reasonably tough. Um, 
but I don't think he's tough enough to last 15 minutes with Raymond Kopolov. Uh Yeah, I, th- I think Raymond's going to use the first round. He's probably going to piece him up. He might drop him, um, but he's patient. And yeah, I think he's going to get the knockout in round two. Um, and I'm I'm pretty keen for this fight. Um, yes, yeah. I, I like to see Roman striking. It's it's and it's dude, different. It's it's not like normal sort of kickboxing. He's he's like uh, what do they call it? Um, a, a master of Russian hand to hand combat or something. He was on like okay. the Russian hand to hand combat team for four years. Like their, dude, their been world. Spending time with the Dagestanis too. He's been up there messing with those guys, learning wrestling. Yeah. And so he's pretty tall as well. They have him listed as another thing I noticed is they've got him listed at six foot. Um, and he fought Ribeiro. Ribeiro's six two and Kopilov was taller than him. Because what I noticed in this fight is let me have a look here. Um they have Josh Frem listed at six four, and Kopolov at six foot, and so I was thinking to myself, I was like, "Oh wow, that's a big height difference." And so I started like thinking to myself, like, "Could that play a factor in it?" And then when I went back and watched fights, I was like, "Let me see who Kopolov's tallest opponent was," mm. and it was Hibero six two. I watched that fight, and Kopolov looks like two inches taller than him. Yeah, they're gonna face up nice, I bet. Yeah, so I feel like. Kopolov is at least six three, so I feel like that that height difference that's showing on topology isn't actually real. I feel like it's okay. it's one of those weird things where they just get it wrong, or some or the UFC's being told the wrong thing or whatever. But yeah, yeah, Kopolov's a lot taller than six foot. Right now, dude, this is what's really weird to me about this. And like I, I mentioned, I have him. Do you have him in your ladder? No but I will use him in some parlays and I will probably bet on him for the KO. Yeah. I'm mind blown. You don't have him in your ladder because I know you like this guy like more than I do even, but yeah, dude, what's interesting to me is that Josephine Knudsen is minus 750 again, you know, untested prospect against an untested prospect, Alex Reyes and Charlie Campbell, Charlie Campbell's minus 500. Okay. Edgar Chires minus 265. Lupe Godin is minus 480. Roman Kopilov is only minus 325. And you look at these numbers that I have here, kind of like those those more like practical things, like the percentages, the striking differentials, every single thing, including fight time, is in favor of Roman Kopilov. It seems like a no-brainer here, but he's like one of the like least favorite favorites on the card. That's weird to me. It could just be people not realizing, you know, bookies don't, it's 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 a tough thing with with odds because they don't always reflect everything, you know. Right. I, I I think we're seeing that Sean Strickland is one of like one of the most popular fighters in the UFC. His interviews are getting like five times the amount that Sean O'Malley's get. He's getting like three times the amount Israel Adesanya gets. You know, yeah. you're still a massive underdog, and a shitload of people that still bet on him. So I don't, I don't think that always reflects things exactly sure. um but yeah i, I, I kind of get what you're saying I, I think maybe sometimes it just comes down to people not knowing things or like even for me earlier in the week when i kind of put that um when i put that sort of ladder bet on I, I hadn't fully done my tape study for the week 
I hadn't fully looked into everything, but for me, I'd looked into enough for the three fights I had chosen to, to choose them. Um, yeah, obviously, if I was doing it today, I, I definitely would have Roman in it as well. But um, yeah, well, your odds yes. would have been blown out, dude. Like that's what's you had to do this early. I uh, I don't know if I mentioned it. I I I know I mentioned if I was to cancel it now and then try and like get back into it. Um, I'd lose some money, but dude, I did it on Monday. I set the same fucking parlay up and like an idiot, I canceled it. Cause I was watching some breakdowns of that. Some other people had in a, a couple, t- you know, tapes and stuff. And I kind of got like some cold feet and I was like, all right, let me try and figure something better out. And it was one eighty five, And then I literally just went back to do it later Monday. Now it's at one sixty five. So, mm-hmm. you know, like now, like I said, I think it's even money. If I was to cancel out, so I'm leaving it because, you know, I'm, I'm confident in it. Like, you know, uh, it, it's just nuts, man. Like the lines on this move like crazy. And I've never really seen a UFC card look like this. It looks like a Bellator card, dude. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. only two fights that are, uh, plus minus 100 and change. You know, every I mean, single thing is two. That is another more. reason. Well, that is another reason why I did sort of like. And, and have done in the past will jump the gun on some bets is because it, you know, it might, it might be a Sunday after the fights have happened and I sort of look towards next week's card with, you know, maybe some winnings. And before I've had the chance to kind of get into the research, I might see a fight that I know a reasonable amount of, about and kind of see favorable odds and, and, and just attack them there and then. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, usually later on in the week, you know, if it was a good choice, they'll get juiced right down. Um, but, you know, if it was a bad choice, I'll see it float up. But, you know, I've also, I think, I can't remember who it was, but a few weeks ago, I took someone at a favorite and then they ballooned to an underdog and they still won. And I was mm. kind of like, oh, well, shit, I could have just waited and got him at like really good odds. <laughs> it yeah. still would have paid off. But yeah, so it can go either way. Um, I think it, there was someone in the contender series that I got at dog odds that ended up a big favorite and won. So, you know, oh. it also can work that way. Dude, I made 200 bucks in the contender series this last week. I, I, uh, I parlayed all five fights, but I missed the last fight, but I canceled that because I parlayed uh, Malik Lewis with like the second the heavyweight fight, like the co-main, if you want to call it that. And mm-hmm. so I missed out on that, but I called two methods and rounds and I cashed out the four leg thing. Like I canceled it out. So, you know, like you put 10 bucks in and it goes up to 45 or whatever, instead of 80. So I ended up making like 200 bucks on this uh, contender series, lost all the other ones. Like didn't make shit on the other ones, but uh, had a good contender series week. And to my point of what I was saying, dude, only the Cortez Jazz of vicious fight, the uh Holland Madel- uh Della Madalena fight and then the Grasso Shevchenko fight are within anything that's under plus minus two hundred. So everything else is over two hundred. Um Zell Huber is the the next closest thing, Padilla Nelson. I mean, most of these fights are chalky if you want to pick any kind of favorite, but uh, it's wild. It's a weird card, dude. So a lot of parlays are going to be going on, and there's going to be parlay busters, man. There's going to be people that should win that sh- that don't. So it's a tough card to fucking pick, man. Um, I talked myself into doing Kapalov plus two units, so I'm doing a three three total units on Kapalov here. So I've got three units on the board so far. 
but this is yours to lead. You said Kapolov uh, round two, KO? Yeah, yeah. All right. Lupe Godinez versus Elise Reed. Man, this is a good fight. Uh, shouldn't be a good fight, but it might be. And uh, I want to hear what you got here. I mean, it depends on what you think of a good fight. If you think of anticipation, domination, domination by Godinez, then yeah. I, I hope mean, so. If she fucking wrestles, dude. At least Reed's takedown defense is not properly reflected with that 50%. It's absolutely piss poor. Um, she got submitted by uh, Loma Lugoli. Loma. Yeah. Um, I honestly, just to just straight and simple, Elise Reed's been finished too many times by like ground a pound and, and, you know, being mounted and all these sorts of things. I think Godinez is going to do the same thing and potentially get her first knockout in the UFC. Um, the odds are plus 500 on that. I've, yeah. I think I've been, I might've already taken, I'm not sure, but it's something I am going to be taking. Um, yeah. I honestly think that Loopy getting a KO in late round two or in round three is like, not even a joke is pretty real in this. No. Um, that's where I'm sitting. Yeah. I've got Loopy KO round three. Um, Every okay. like, yeah, I, I think that, like I said, the fifty percent defense it just doesn't accurately reflect how bad her takedown defense actually is. Um, and a lot of the time she's been finished as being from like being mounted and being having her head punched in, right? And that's Loopy's style. It's not even like it's something like, oh, this is something I can take advantage of. Let me change change my game plan to, to yeah, yeah. To take like it's what she does, and now she's getting a girl that is like that's her weakness. So yeah, her yeah. jujitsu is not great, right? She's a wrestler, and and apologies for not having the average UFC fight time. Uh, Godinez is like fifteen or fourteen point nine, and uh, Elise Reed's is slightly shorter because she's getting finished. But um, yeah, dude, it's uh, it, everything you're saying is true, dude. I I, I don't understand how how this fight was kind of put together. It seems like they're trying to give her a win because Loopy's obviously Mexican and, and she is the third leg. I've got four legs in my uh, Eiffel Tower. Loopy's the third in mine. Yeah, that's it's a good bet in my opinion. I think um, she's had some bumpy roads as of late, Loopy. She had that loss to Angela Hill, which is not a good loss. Um, but then she's kind of got a decision split, then a decision unanimous. Uh, I almost feel like the UFC's kind of like, well, we don't really want Lee Reed, but we want Loopy. So here, Loopy, have a have a KO win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She beats her everywhere. Loopy beats her everywhere. Look at the striking differentials on on these girls. I mean, uh, Elise Reed's is not how you want it to be. It's backwards, right? Loopy's is not great. You know, you take one, kind of give one, but it's still positive. You know, Elise Reed's is negative. And, um, I mean, the takedown accuracy, dude, uh, Elise Reed is not going to take down Loopy. And you make a good point there. All these stats are from UFCstats.com, right? So, I'm like, I'm not making this shit up. But I agree that that 50% isn't really, like, it's not really giving you a good look at how she does things because when you see the 75 takedown accuracy for Elise Reed too, you think that she's a beast wrestler, right? But she's probably shot like only a couple takedowns, maybe four takedowns. She's gotten three of them 
in on all of her fights. I don't know the numbers specifically, but yeah, man, uh, she's a kickboxer by trade. At least Reed is and not a good one, man, not a good kickboxer. So yeah, dude, I got loopy. I'm going decision, but I like your, uh, your ballsy call there on the knockout round three. I like that. I'd be much more entertaining. I might tell you on that, but my official pick will be loopy by decision. Cause I don't think she's finished anyone in the UFC. Um, but at least Reed is not very I good. Think, yeah, I think this is super live. I really, really do. Or even, yeah, loopy 2-3 bet. Oh, yeah. Loopy by KO, just just that plain and simple is like plus 500. So, But, yeah, I just I think so much points to it in this. I really, really do. Sometimes I'll throw something out there like that as just sort of like a whimsical bet, but I, th- I think this one is, is legit. I got one for you that might trip you up here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, we'll move on. We agree. Uh, the method is slightly different. Um, some books offer that, uh, round three finish or decision. That's a great one. The odds usually aren't awesome on it. If you could get a round two, round three knockout for Loopy, that'd be dope. Um, for, for people out there with like FanDuel and stuff like that. But yeah, Loopy all day here, man. A lot of people are saying like they don't trust her and she has talked about how she wants to get away from wrestling. That's such a stupid idea here, though, if she does that. It's literally, I mean, Loopy should be at Raul Rosas Jr. numbers here, minus 850, if we knew she was going to wrestle. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, we just don't know for a fact because um, she's a little crazy Latina. So we'll see what happens here. But, yeah, moving on. Uh, oh, we're in the main card now. See how I got the red outliner on these dudes now? <laughs> uh, Try to spice it up. This dude, Fernando Padilla, has the most Adam's apples out of anyone in the UFC. He's got two. You see that? (laughs) Dude's got a neck like a giraffe, man. It's crazy. Twice the man. He is twice the man. And Kyle Nelson, the only guy on the entire card with a draw that I found. So I had to make a little extra space for that one. But yeah, dude, Fernando Padilla Padilla versus Kyle Nelson. um, Similar records, but... I think that the skill level is so much different. Um, I think that they put Kyle Nelson up against Blake Builder because they wanted him to lose, but Blake Builder sucks ass. So he ended up losing to probably the worst Canadian on the roster, man. Like, and that's no uh, shit talking to Kyle Nelson. He seems like a cool enough dude, but I think he's probably the worst Canadian on the roster. Um, other than maybe, uh, Hakeem Dawadu, cause holy shit. And he was really bad when he, uh, fought, uh, um, who the hell did he fight last time? Older guy, Cub Swanson. Um, that was a bad performance for sure. But yeah, Fernando Padilla all day here, man. I'm not even going to try and like talk all crazy. Um, when you look at that 11 strikes landed per minute, he's only had one fight in the UFC and it went a minute and 47 seconds. So they extrapolate that out. And he landed, you know, almost 12 strikes in that amount of time. So they just say, okay, this is what his average strikes are. But that's absolutely not what it would be if he fought at any extended amount of time. But I think he gets a knockout here over Kyle Nelson, which is hard to do. But I think he does it like round two, round three, something like that. I'm not going to complicate it, but I think that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I watched tape on this dude last night majority of his knockouts are round two, round three. Um, putting two extra units on Padilla. Ooh. He's in my ladder. Um, yeah, I think he's going to piece this dude up and knock him out in the second round. I, I like this dude's style. He's so, he's so fucking tall for featherweight. He's six foot one in featherweight. 
You, you know, sound like, like you I, just came right there. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's like how excited I am for this lanky dude <laughs> to fight. <laughs> I mean, dude, um, that neck scares the shit out of me because this dude does like to grapple, and I feel like I could catch a hold of that dude's neck. But I agree with you. Like I'm betting, I was about to put an extra unit on him, but I'll let you take that. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see this guy fight because I think this is like a this is a nice little layup for him. Yeah, man, they want these Mexicans to win, dude. Like, think about, imagine if all these Mexicans lost or only two Mexicans won on Independence Day here for Mexico. And, like, you know, there's going to be a massive Mexican crowd. All these people are going to be going wild, dude. There's white white people out here with fucking Mexican flags draped around them because everyone wants to support Mexico this week. You know what I'm making for food? I'm making tacos and enchiladas, dude. That's what I'm doing for <laughs> for uh for my my food i make that half the time anyway um i'm gonna put an extra unit on uh padilla i won't do two because i want to save one for later i've got four units on the board so far you've got three um, you can do a uh mexican parlay and it's uh one two three four five six legs and uh, i think one mexican loses plus twelve hundred and I'm not including Reyes. I don't know if he's Mexican, but that sounds like a Mexican last name. I think one Mexican has to lose. Um, although I said that about Canada, too. You know what I didn't notice, dude? The strikes, uh, you know how it says strikes defended. This is what I'm talking about. This is really strikes absorbed. Okay. Again, people watching. This is my first time doing this. Okay. It'll get better. But strikes absorbed. 18.9 that's a lot dude that's uh, of course over just a minute and um you know almost two minutes but that's a lot i mean that's an upside down striking differential it was right also there. against it, it's it was also against julian rosa who sucks high up and but high output as well okay you're yeah you you're know, right. and i watched that fight last night so i do remember that fight he, he pieced the dude up man it was an early stoppage too um okay. i don't know if you remember that um yeah like, well i th- I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say, I mean, you could say early stoppage, but like he dropped the dude twice already. And like, if the ref hadn't have stopped in, he would have got dropped a, a third time and then knocked out basically. So it's like, yeah, I'm right with you, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it was a, you. it's actually a pretty fun fight to watch, but it's over very quick. I will be doing kind of a more wild parlay and I'm down to kind of talk about it here towards the end too, or after we're, we're done with all the, Excuse me, but I will be including uh, Padilla in uh, a parlay or two, and I might put him in uh, my fantasy stuff. I've been doing uh, fantasy. The only other guy that I mentioned that should uh, that for sure should be in your fantasy is uh, Charlie Campbell, who is pretty high price. Um, and then uh, Kapilov. I think that both those guys get finishes, but I think uh, I think Padilla gets a finish here too, man. So I'm uh, freaking out about his numbers a little bit, but this is a very very limited sample size here. So don't you know? Don't listen to me. But let's move on, and this is yours, Daniel Zellhuber, the young kid versus uh, Christios Hiagos. And before you get into it, I hope you're not saying anything scary because Daniel Zellhuber does close out my four leg parlay turning $111 (laughs) into 297 profits. So we're talking almost $400 on the table here. What do you think about Zell Huber versus Giagos? I think it might just be a layup fight for him. Um, For Zell Huber, right? Yeah. I don't really know too much about the, (laughs) this Christos Diagos guy. And I didn't go back and watch 
type, really. Um, well, so you're the not supposed to say Moses. that. You're supposed to say you know everything about this, and you're trying to give me confidence that my parlay is going to hit. Well, hey, uh, there's you can't get any more confidence than the UFC trying to set up a fight for you. It's it, ninety-five percent of the time it goes goes in the way That's of true. the UFC wanting something, and and I think they want El Huber to to keep winning. So he was on yeah. the panel. I don't know if you watched the panel of Mexican fighters. It was Grasso, Raul Rosas. I, I didn't see it. No. Yeah, it's on YouTube, and they just kind of talk about all this shit. It's funny too because Valentina speaks Spanish because she lives in Peru. So Grasso and Valentina are both out there. It's funny, dude. And like, they're all just, like, <laughs> she's speaking Spanish and shit. But, uh, yeah. So he was on there. So he's one of the more like highly touted Mexican prospects out there. So I, I tend to agree, but holy shit, am I scared? Cause people are talking about how Yagos is a live dog and all this shit. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry. Continue. I don't know too much about Yagos. I, I, I can't really go that far, but I've honestly heard people going as far as I say, oh, so he's going to get the KO that he wants, the KO that everyone's been thinking he can get. And I'm not going that far. I got Sal Huber decision. Um, I am a little bit shifty on it just because, like, of Zell Huber's frame and stuff. Like, he's a pretty skinny young guy. Oh. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I think I think he's probably going to edge this out. Um, yeah, again, I don't know too much about Christos. Maybe he will. Maybe Daniel Zellweger will get the knockout because it seems that uh, Christos can be finished in multiple different ways. But uh, I guess we'll see. I haven't got um, any big bets on Zellweger or anything as of yet. Um, I think I've got him in a parlay which is just Daniel Zellhuber and fight to start round two. That's okay. one I do have. Um, and that's yeah, within just a, a bigger parlay that I have. But yeah, I don't have too much to say on this. The strikes absorbed or how I have it here, strikes defender per minute is not 14. It is four. Um, I, I left out the one when I was changing it from the previous fight. But yeah, man. So again, like I said, these are going to get better. It, this is the first one. But so, I mean, look at the numbers here, knowing that the strikes absorbed per minute are 4.8 versus him landing 5.44. And you look at the low volume of Christos here. Um, I mean, I obviously Christos a little more well-rounded, but Daniel Zellhuber has been uh, training with, I forget who Brandon Moreno said, but it was a big wrestling dude. And he said, uh, Brandon Moreno, obviously he's going to be going for all his, Mexican brethren out there, they like to call it La Raza, the race. Um, if white people said that they're backing their race, it would be very offensive, but Mexicans can get away with it. And yeah, dude, I mean, he he's obviously, you know, going to back his dude, but he's saying that Daniel Zellhuber is a lock, like Brandon Moreno was saying that. He, he wasn't saying that about anyone else. Um, I'm sure they're friends and whatever, but, uh, you know, knowing that and then just, you know, disregarding that fucked up stat that I put up there. Um, everything is in the favor. I mean, the takedown defense of 91%, dude. It's going to be hard, I think, for Giagos to get him down. And his gas tank runs out after about five to seven minutes. Uh, Daniel Zellhuber usually goes long. So I think, uh, you know, even if Zellhuber loses round one, it might even be a good chance to live bet Zellhuber. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm all in, all in on Zellhuber. And I tend to agree, but I do think that he gets a knockout round two or round three. Okay. So you're going decision. I'm going knockout. This is yours here. Raul Rosas Jr. 
the most handsome man in the UFC here, Raul Rosas <laughs> versus Terrence Mitchell, who is kind of sad, dude. You know, I, I listening to that guy talk at the press conference, he seems like such a nice dude. Um, I know he talks some shit to Kai Car France, but Kai Car France is a straight bitch, as Manel Cop pointed out this weekend. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, what do you think about this one? I didn't see press conference or anything just yet, so I don't know about that. But um yeah, look I I kinda I didn't go back and forward on a side on this, but I went back and forward on multiple different methods. Um Ultimately, I think Raul gets it done. Obviously, UFC's trying to prop him up again after the last fight. Um, you know, I kind of watched the Cameron Simon finish on Mitchell. And Terrence has good grappling. I, I don't think it's quite at the level of Raul. Obviously, Raul seems like he's just his whole life's been grappling and stuff. Um, I don't think that's the case with Terrence, but. Do you remember the Cameron Simon fight? Yeah, it ended he really quick it. in round one, I think two minutes. Yeah, so Terrence went for the takedown straight away. Um, and okay, yeah, kind of they scrambled for about a minute or so. Terrence ultimately sort of overpowered Cameron at times. And then Cameron kind of got him yeah in a position and ground and pounded him out. Um and I was kind of thinking, like, oh, maybe Raul will be able to get him into the second. Like, well, I mean, maybe Terrence will be able to defend Raul until the second. But ultimately, just after everything I sort of looked up, my MMA math led me to just choosing Raul Rose's submission round one. I, I think I think Terrence's stand-up isn't that great. And I think usually he can rely on shooting and really overpowering and grappling a guy, especially with his length. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure he is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, but that it just made me think, well, he, he can't really do that, Raul. You know, Raul's got reasonable fundamental striking as well, and I'm pretty sure his grappling's better. So what does Terrence really have to fall back on? Um, and yeah, if, if a skinny kid like Cameron Simon can manhandle and ultimately, you know, get it over on Terrence by the end of the first, I think Raul's going to be able to do that as well. So, yeah, sub one, Raul Roses. Okay. Yeah, both these guys have really bad striking differentials. Um, neither one of them lands a strike per minute, which is wild. Um, this is going to be a grappling match, I think. I think Terrence could have something for him. Um, Cameron Simon is so much better than Raul Rosas. Um I mean, like grappling wise, though, like no, 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 not wise. grappling wise. No, okay, not well. I don't know, dude. I mean, like that's yeah. I see how this what I was kind of going back and forward on, like, and I was kind of like that's why I kind of brought up like, you know, Raul Rose is sort of doing it since a kid because I'm like, well, does that make a difference when you're only fucking eighteen? Yeah, like, and this, know. yeah, dude, that's the thing, man. Everyone's talking about how he's definitely going to be a champion someday. No, he's not necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, we can't say that yet. He's not good at the UFC level. He's just young. They put him against C-Rod, who is a good fighter. But C-Rod, like, made him look like shit, dude. Like, he, I don't understand how an 18-year-old gasses out that quick. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, you're supposed to have great cardio when you're that young. And he he looked bad, dude. So, um, 
Terrence Mitchell could pull it off, man. I mean, look at what happened last week with, you know, Sean Strickland and, and all that stuff. Um, am I betting him? Absolutely not. But um, I, I wouldn't mind, dude. And if, But if Raul Rosas loses this, they need to get him out of the UFC and just say, like, hey, like, you, you can't sign anywhere else big. Like, you can go and fight, like, LFA. But no one's going to want to watch this kid fight if he loses to this because the narrative is already set that Terrence Mitchell sucks. They're, and that's what's shitty is they're making fun of the dude because he fights at Alaska FC and all this stuff, which I know it, it's a whack promotion. But it's stupid. To, to, you know, all these people that talk shit about these guys are fat and, you know, couldn't throw a punch to save their life. So I don't know. It, it's shitty that they're setting this dude up two in a row to just get, you know, annihilated by prospects. But if Raul Rosas fucks up here or doesn't get a finish, if this dude gets a decision win over Terrence Mitchell, I don't want to hear anyone say that this dude's going to be a champ anytime soon because it's wild if this guy goes to decision. He should get a first-round knockout or sub. That's what they want here. So if you wanted to bet the fight just to go to the second round, no winner, it is nearly plus 300. And if you wanted to bet the fight to hit the third round, it's nearly plus 500. If you wanted to bet the fight to go the distance, it's nearly plus 700. That was something that I noticed last night. Because when I was tossing and turning about, oh, would maybe Terrence maybe last till the second? I was like, well, let me have a look at the, will the fight hit the second? And I was like, nearly plus 300 just to hit the second round? Yeah. so I was like, you know, maybe the like maybe just a sprinkle on the fight going to the second and a sprinkle on the fight going to third. No winner is just worth a bet as well. You know, that second round is absolutely because we don't know what the the takedown defense is of Mitchell. He thought that he would have the grappling edge over Simon, right? Um, Simon kind of seems like one of these dudes that's like more of a stand up guy, kind of like Drykus, but a little more clean. If you want my honest opinion on that. Uh, Drake is just like, I don't know, that dude's like in a black magic or something. I, I said that it, <laughs> MMA was rigged if he beat Robert Whitaker, and he actually made it look legit how he beat him. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's wild, but he's going to go into this unless he's stupid. He's 33 years old. He's going to know that Raul Rosas supposedly has the grappling edge over him. I haven't seen it. The only dude that he's ever beat quick is Jay Perrin at the UFC level. Jay Perrin, I don't think, has a win in the UFC. I might be mistaken. Um, that was another thing, man. A lot of people were thinking that this is Raul Rosas' UFC debut, and he's only fought in the Contender Series. And they have, like, thousands of views on their shows here on YouTube. So that's why I'm like, okay, we can do this, and it's going to be, you know, half the people <laughs> don't even understand that this dude's already fought. Um, Twice. Yeah, man. Terrence Mitchell should, should get in there and uh, I think make it to round two. But I'm going to go with the Rosas knockout, dude. I think that that would actually be something good. And if they're setting People him up in a set ter- it. Yeah, that's what I've I'm saying. It, yeah, yeah. If Terrence Mitchell is that bad, as bad as everyone makes him out to be, then Raul Rosas uh, should knock him out, I think. Um, he's not that good at submissions, man. He, he's really not that good on the ground from what I've seen. Um, everyone talks about it, and that narrative's there. But, you know, the takedown accuracy is shit. Um you know, uh, he's getting one out of every three. So we'll see, man. I think that this will be an interesting one, but I I think that your money's safe with Raul Rosas. But, I mean, I, I kind of want Terrence Mitchell to win, man. I'm not going to put too much money on Rosas, and I'm definitely not taking it 
shit money line. Biggest favorite on the card is an 18-year-old. Yeah. No, I've heard some people say that the knockout could be live with Brawl, you know, ground a pound situation. And you're basically just fading all the all the shit that everyone's just favoriting towards round yeah. one sub, you know? So it's just like, yeah, well, you just hit the KO and get plus 500. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of live. He's gotten KOs before, so why not just take a sprinkle on the on the like i said like if you really don't want to like get just shitty odds and stuff you you just go sprinkle ko roses like yeah sprinkle on um roses ko and then maybe fight goes round two fight goes round three and yeah that's kind of like some things that may happen and you don't really have to pick a side for the the latter two yeah yeah man a knockout finish i think would be um how are you gonna bet this well, I am probably going to do the round two one at least. Um, I think I starts round two. You're saying? Yeah, I okay. had a look at the sub, and it's minus money for Raul Roses by sub. So I have not bet that. Um, I'm just looking right now. I don't have a bet on Raul at all right now. Um, so yeah. yeah, for me, so for me, it might just be that round two thing. Um, no point betting the sub like i said it's it's minus money i'm not choosing a method at minus money not at that much minus money like it's not you know sometimes you might get a just and tougher ko and it's like pretty close to even money but it's on the minus side this is like steamed minus um it's a dollar 55 for reference here in australia which is yeah like $55 $55 for every hundred you bet, which is crazy. Okay. So yeah, maybe a sprinkle on the knockout, maybe a sprinkle on fight hits round two. That's probably it for me. I, I, I won't choose the Terrence Mitchell side as a, as a little sprinkler. And it's, I'm, I don't think he's going to win. My thing was, can he last? Basically, I think Raul's going to win. My thing was just like, is Terrence going to shut everyone up and, and ruin all those first round sub, bets because maybe he might get finished in the second or third and yeah. is that something that you can maybe capitalize on because the odds are just so crazy for that to happen you know so that's kind of where i'm at on it yeah and i don't understand what's so exciting about you know being confident in the first round sub you know what i mean like i don't know it, it, it i i know that that like a lot of people make their their entire ufc career off of submissions but i guess it depends on the fighter like you're talking about jaldon almeida love seeing him throw an up kick and and choke out a heavyweight in 20 seconds it's hilarious sure but he's also like 50 50 knockout 50 50 sub like you don't know how he's gonna do it mm. if raul yeah, just that's true. builds this narrative where he's just going out there and getting the first round sub if he's gonna win that's boring as shit, man. Like, that's like Bo Nickel shit where like, you know, Bo Nickel, it's exciting to watch him fight. And he actually, you know, changed it up last time he got the knockout. But like how he how he choked out Jamie Pickett was so lame. Like it was like, dude, this is stupid. Like he just kind of fell on top of him after hitting him in the nuts and then just laid there. And he's such a great wrestler that he can do that. Like it wasn't it, it was such a boring fight. Um, His last one was great, obviously, against that, you know, short notice replacement but i just don't like these matchups man you know it's like why why ever should this dude no one in the ufc should be a minus 850 favorite i know he started out at like minus 500 but no one should be that dude unless it's like john jones um someone proven dude like no one should be at that they they need to make better matches 
they're getting into this stuff where it's like they want to try and build narratives and build fan bases for people that might not organically get them. And I think that that's yeah. just kind of setting people up for setting people MMA up. MMA guru. MMA guru has been talking about this lately. And that's why I've kind of become a bit more of a fan of MMA guru because of what I've discovered with his content is he's all just about pointing out the hypocrisies regardless of the side. Um, and he likes to nitpick at shit, like really find the details of the UFC and go hard at them. And yeah, he said he's actually bringing out a big video like this week or something. And he's been talking about yeah. it and about how the UFC is rigging fights through, yeah. you know, for instance, the Toldrickus thing. Let's, let's line up a fight with Rob. And then the winner of that gets two months to fight Izzy, regardless of if they're injured, leaving Izzy with a better chance to win, you know, um, the Aljamain thing, let's stack multiple fights. You know, Sean's in the, like right after Aljo's fought Henry, like you better be ready to cut weight. You can't right. tell me Sean didn't already know that fight was set up and it was set up for a few months, like a, right, two right. months away. And he was going, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, the UFC's doing this sort of stuff and it, it kind of goes into line with what you're saying, building stars and stuff and, you know, setting up certain fights. And yeah, I, I, it annoys me. I, like I, did you watch contender this week? Yeah, dude, I just told you I made $200. Dude. Oh, yeah. Like those fights are the fights you want to see where it's like yeah, people man. just going all out great fights. Like the contender this week is probably the best episode of contender ever. Like I'm not even shit. Like, oh, no, it was great, was dude. Wild. Bare yeah. knuckle fighting, honestly. Like I know I work for them and stuff. The matchmaking is getting so good there, dude. You know what mm. I mean? Like it's getting incredibly good. There's a lot of new talent. There's a lot of people that you can't really predict how it's going to go. And yeah, sometimes people go in there and get hit one time and then they drop down because it's their first fight and it's different getting hit without gloves. Right. But the matchmaking is getting good. Like there, uh, there's a lot more fights going like two, three, four rounds. And there's five rounds in every single bare knuckle fight. Um, yeah, like I said, I do not touch it. But unfortunately, I don't have access to any of that in Australia. Oh, that's I only, I only got UFC contender. Some basic PFL sometimes, some basic Bellator. That's about where it stops. I don't even get LFA. I used to get the one of the Australian Eternal, where Steve Ersick and Jack Jenkins and Vulcan, all that came from. I used to get Eternal, but now I don't even get that for some reason. I don't understand why I can't bet on Australian MMA for some reason, but yeah. That's whack, dude. But yeah, man, like I, like I said, I, I want to make it really clear that I don't fucking touch those. I used to bet on them, and um, it's it's easy. It, it really is an easy thing. If you just do a little bit of research, you get into it. I think that's going to change, but for right now, it's easy. And then um, another channel that people should check out before we move on is Red Pill MMA. I don't know if you've checked him out, but he's dope. He's like an Irish I, dude. I've that- not looked at it, but it's funny because Chael mentioned him this week. So him and Chael go back and forward, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to check this dude out if Chael likes him. I don't think that the that Red Pill likes Chael. So it's well, funny Chael, if Chael likes Chael, him. Chael thinks it's hilarious. So Yeah, yeah. Chael's a bitch, dude. Him and Ariel, man, like, see, that's the thing. I don't like those dudes. Like, they they feed the whole system. <laughs> they feed the I whole love thing. I, I don't, man. He he was talking about near-death experiences and didn't even know what the fuck they were. Like, he was totally saying, like, everything just out of his ass and i feel like he does that with mma too like he just he does that with every video and he's openly said it (laughs) he's just trying to produce numerous little truckloads of content well and he's an older dude that does clickbait and he'll do things like 
he'll he'll title a video Israel Adesanya sucks with an exclamation point and he'll be like Am I saying that Israel Adesanya sucks? No, you are. Like it's like, you know, like <laughs> Twilight Zone shit. It's whack. Classic fucking child. Click. That's why I love him. That's why I love him. Dude. I can't stand him, man. It's it's that gatekeeping stuff. And and same with John Anik, dude. John Anik, like the way he was looking at Israel Adesanya, it looked like he wanted to suck him off every time he was talking. And then he was like kind of shaking his head, like really subtly. When Sean Strickland was talking during the press conference, and I actually commented and tagged John Anik, not that he's going to see it or care, but it's like, dude, why do you look at Izzy like you want to suck him off every time? You know what I mean? It's just weird, dude. It's like, it, I don't know. I, I don't understand that whole thing and the gatekeeping and, like you said, the matchmaking. I've been checking out some MMA guru uh, more and more, and he's he's dope, dude. He's funny. I like watching his uh, video breakdowns and stuff, but uh, or like the um, predictions that he does because they're just kind of goofy, but. Good stuff. Um, let's move on because we can uh, just go back and forth forever here. Now, these last two fights, man, I want to have like more conversations about it. You know, I, I, I we've been kind of alternating who's going first, who's going last. Kevin Holland versus JDM, Jack Three Names, Jack Della Madeleine, or whatever you want to call him. Um, this is a great fight. I have a feeling that you're going to pick JDM, and if I'm right. I wanna I wanna ask why. Um why you lean towards him. I just feel like you are going to pick him, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Where are you at with this? I fully, fully haven't made a pick. I do have a bet. And you're gonna be surprised it's on Kevin Holland by submission. I like it. Okay. Um plus seven hundred on that, by the way, which is crazy. Why? Why would it be that? Kevin Holland's never been knocked out. He's One been time. sub before. One, One time. time. Okay, I might have seen that. Yeah. Uh, very early in his career, and it was like, no, no, isn't it? But that KO, is a, is, isn't that the retirement against Wonderboy? No, before <laughs> that. Let me double check. Okay. Okay, because I did see that it said one knockout, but I couldn't find it anywhere on his record. And it's I saw always his back. Okay, fair enough. Because I do remember, like, he did retire in round four against Wonderboy with a broken hand. Um, but yeah, that was something that stood out to me. It was not like very rarely being knocked out. If you're saying it's one time, then it's it's one time way back. But I actually thought he's never being knocked out. Um, Jack really likes to stand in the pocket and trade. That's where a lot of his good work comes from. I feel like Holland is willing to get into some pocket exchanges, but I feel like he gets the better of them because of his angles. Um, I tried to look at opponents that Holland had had with a similar sort of pocket fighting style. I sort of thought about maybe Buckley. Yeah. Um, and so I looked at a little bit of that and, you know, he knocked Buckley out because he was catching him. He was catching him when he was making mistakes. Um, you know, people have asked Holland about this fight, you know, about the same stuff with Wonderboy. You know, will this be a stand up fight? Will this be a mixed martial arts fight? And Holland sort of implied that it'll be a bit of everything and that if there's holes, he'll, he'll take advantage of them. Right. I'm super excited for this fight. As yeah, I said, dude. I can't, I can't, I, I, can't I, well, I still haven't, 
I have Kevin Holland sub round two locked into my topology at the moment, but I am so unsure. I didn't even want this fight to happen because I didn't eat, want either of them to lose to each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, like when I saw, when I saw it, I shared it and I was like, why does why does this fight have to happen now? I have to choose one. Like this is bullshit. I don't want either of them to lose. A loss for Jack is a lot worse than a loss for Kevin, though. Kevin doesn't give a fuck if he loses. Right. He makes a shit ton of money, and then he'll get a cool fight again in, in three months' time. Yeah. I mean, Jack, Jack cares if he loses because he's trying to get that upward trajectory. So so why is he yeah, fighting man. like a you know two, three weeks after he fought in JDM? I, I think he's just trying to you know capitalize on... Or cleanse the palate of after that Basil performance, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, potentially, but I think it's just you know, like, unless you have a super big um, social following, the only other way to kind of build up your brand within the UFC is to fight a bunch and get and get your name in front of people, and and potentially right. that's what Jack might be trying to do. He's just trying to work his way up that ladder quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I I would agree with you. He's been stacking them close together. His last fight was a double weight cut, I think. You know, triple, I think. Weight. I think it was triple. Yeah. You know, and so these are kind of silly decisions. Um, feel like it's it's a decision that almost that contributed to the end of Tony Ferguson's career. Double weight cut in Justin Gaethje fight and get your head pounded in. You know, some these aren't smart decisions. Um, and I don't want Jack to lose, but just if I look at this with a proper like fight analyst hat, Holland edges certain things out, you know, um, yeah. angles in the pocket, the, the takedown and the, and the subs, like really, like people have tried to take, you know, Basil took down Jack and, and tried certain submissions and, and they didn't work. Holland is, is tricky. He's lanky. Um, yeah, he he subbed. You know, his last fight where he subbed Kiesa, he just wrapped that dust. He wasn't going for that dust the whole fight. He was trying to knock Kiesa out, and then just happened to have the perfect position to get the dust. And he's like, "Oh well, fuck it. I'll just finish it like this." And and wraps up the dust and gets it. And yeah, that's dude. the way Holland fights. You know, he got the verbal uh, verbal submission from Charlie Ontiveros a few years back, where he just slammed him on his head. Slammed him into a choke on his head, and then old mate, like the ref stopped it because old mate was gargling, yeah. Like, and they thought he broke his neck. Like, yeah, man, I just see so many ways for Holland to win, and I feel like this isn't an e. Well, I feel like he did say he wants to fight Jack because he thinks it's a cool fight, but I don't see it as you know he the fight with Wonder Boy was egotistical. He he. He wanted to stand. He wanted to have that war and all the rest of it, and he ultimately ended up losing it. I don't feel like that's his take on this one. His take is, I want to beat this guy, and anyway, yeah. and he will. In the press conference, he said that uh, JDM didn't earn that. Like, he didn't earn the respect of having, yeah. like, a stand-up yeah. fight. I heard um, And to your point, um, I don't I, – I can't find the knockout. Someone that I trusted was saying that he had gotten knocked out – but maybe it was just the round four retirement because that's all yeah. that you have that you can see on Tapology. So maybe he hasn't ever been fucking knocked out, which is wild. Fighting, yeah, that's what you know, I really 34 think. Thirty-four yeah. fights. It's so crazy, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. And um, yeah, dude, uh, 
a lot of casuals are on Kevin Holland and a lot of like the smart money's on Jack Della Maddalena. That doesn't matter to me, man. I'm going to go with Kevin Holland as well. I've but... seen uh, Narco Cop has four units on Jack. I look, was looking at his MMA handicapper site last night. Well, he's night, not and smart I was like, money at all, dude. If you see his fucking contender picks, you know, he goes for wild card shit. You know what I mean? His contender picks suck ass. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw that and I was like, I actually mess, I hit him up on Twitter. I was like, what, what are you seeing in this fight? Tell me what you're seeing to yeah. have that much confidence. Like, because people are on Aussie. the hype train, I'm a, man. I'm a fucking Aussie. Like, and I fucking love JDM. But I was like, I need to know what you're seeing to be putting four fucking units on this guy. Yeah, I think. Uh, and again, check out that striking uh, abs- that strikes absorbed 42. Now it's 2.9. Um, so, again, you know, <laughs> a couple <laughs> errors there. He's not absorbing 42 strikes a minute. But, um, yeah, it's uh you know, he's got a he's got a good striking differential there, the four point one one to two point nine six. It's there's nothing that stands out for JDM. His opponents, he hasn't fought good opponents, man. Who's the best fighter that JDM's fought in the UFC? Basil Hafez. Yeah. I mean and, and he beat him. But Basil's good. Yeah, I mean Basil absolutely good. he's good. It was short notice. He wasn't prepared for a wrestler and all that good stuff. And and I don't understand why they matched him up like that. But I'm a big believer in karma, man. I think that's what happened with Jack Jenkins last weekend. I think that happens with JDM. Uh, so much so that I am putting an extra unit on Holland. Uh, that's going to be my last unit of the night. And, um, yeah, dude, I think, uh, I think that Holland can do this many ways. I think if it goes to decision, I think Madalena might get it again, which would be such bullshit um, if it was close. But, uh, yeah, man, I think uh, I think Kevin Holland gets this, man, for sure. Um, he's taller. He's tricky, like you said. That kung fu that he fucks with is, uh, as I think, more well-rounded than Jack's boxing. He's more of just a straight boxer, right? So um, I haven't Have seen him throw any kicks. Yeah, no, he is pretty much a straight boxer. But have I got two extra units left? You have two extra units, yeah. Yeah, so I'll be going with you, and I'll be putting one on Kevin Holland as well. All right. Yeah. Here we go. I was actually going to... Use it on the next one, pick, huh? Well, I was actually going to pick Jack and then put an extra unit on Kevin. That was going to be my original thing so that I could play both sides, but... I'll, I'll I'll stick with what I got for now. Yeah, I man. Still I, could go the extra unit on Jack and and have my pick as Kevin, but no, we'll 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 keep it simple for now. Because like I said, I didn't. This is a hard fight for me. I like both guys. Don't want either of them. Didn't even like. It's a fucking awesome fight, but I didn't want them to have to fight each other and one of them have to beat the other. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I'm looking at this right now. I hate that this slide is up for so long with that fucked up uh, striking uh, <laughs> differential, but you know it is what it is. Um, when people come come back from like a, a quick turnaround like this, it does not work out. Look at uh, Blackshear, obviously much quicker. Look at Gilbert Burns. I mean, that was like your lock, remember? Uh, and, and I was with you. I wasn't as confident as you were. Gilbert Burns against Bilal Muhammad. Um, but we were both like, yeah, dude, like, I think for sure. I remember specifically with that, I asked you, what's one fight that if you were like, if you had a free million dollars, what would you put it on? Mm. You said Burns. 
And I forget what I said, but I just remember that because obviously it didn't hit, but I was right there with you, dude. I was like, shit, like Burns should absolutely get this done. He's the better fighter. He's more well-rounded. Supposedly he hurt himself, but that's what happens when you're cutting weight over and over again. And when you're trying to get in this, uh, you know, it's a, it's a rough sport to begin with. And then when you're putting your body through extra shit, I don't get why JDM would do this, man. He doesn't need to do it. He was, they were supposed to fight in Australia, I guess. Holland denies that, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard to know because you, you can't really take Holland too serious. And one thing that was really kind of, um, weird to hear from Holland is that once someone has the belt or, or they're on a trajectory to get the belt, they're off his radar, off Kevin Holland's radar. It was a weird thing that he said at the press conference or, uh, the media day. Mm, you know, he JDM go was the, the go at the guy. What? Then he then he went off at the uh, reporter about it, about asking about it. Yeah, he's like, why is the belt so important to you? And it's like, you know, I thought that was kind of a dick move and it didn't make any fucking sense, honestly. That's why, like, I like Kevin Holland, but some of the shit that he says, I think that he's just trying to be either funny or he's got a weird personality, man. But, like, he he talks about money and shit, but then he doesn't want the belt. It's like, dude, you just know that you can't get there is really what it is. And with with JDM you know he's the opposite he wants the belt he wants to be a champion so that's the one thing that's really really putting me off of Kevin Holland he showed some horrible fight IQ in that fucking Wonderboy fight i hope that's a one off because like i said i've got an extra unit on him here uh this is of course hypothetical money but i will be putting him in a parlay later uh with real money so um yeah man give me Kevin Holland He's got the longer fight time, but he's fought the much better competition. And uh, I think he gets this done any way he wants. But I, for the sake of this, I'll go decision. Okay. Yeah, I'm locking in my sub. I, like I said, I already got a little little bet on that one. There you go. I found the most attractive picture I could of Alexa Grasso because I, I think she is so hot. I noticed that. I did notice that straight off the bat. And it looks like he did for Valentina as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, I just love Grasso, man. She's one of the most uh, just attractive women. And so is Valentina when she goes all out. But uh, Grasso, you know, these Latinas, they just have a way. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that that the average fight time for Valentina is over 15 minutes because she's fought so many fucking times, 25 minutes. Um, This is a good fight, man. This is a really good main event for uh for a girl fight. And... You got Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. Alexa Grasso taking the belt from Shevchenko. Um, you know, crazy odds. I mean, this was a bigger mismatch odds wise than Strickland and uh, Adesanya. And and I I know someone that had her by sub as well. Nice. Yeah. Well, there was that yeah. one dude that had the fucking crazy parlay because this was the John Jones yeah, fight too. Yeah, that's right. Fucking hell. He put like ten, like a dollar down to get like six hundred thousand or some shit like that because he called like the the, the round of a sub method round for five fights, and uh, <laughs> you know he including Grasso by fourth round submission and all this stuff. John Jones round one submission, all this stuff. So it was like, yeah, it was one dollar and like six hundred thousand or something like that, just nuts or three dollars maybe. Um. But yeah, man, this is a good fight. I think uh, a lot of people are looking at this and overcomplicating it, though. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Um, 
I watched the first fight the other night and I feel like Valentina was competitive in the first two rounds and then I felt like Alexa was starting to like pick it up and 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 kind of win. I mean, I might be wrong. There might be people out there that disagree with me, but I felt like she was actually starting to come into her own before she even got the sub. Um, and then she got the sub and won, obviously. I have her by decision. I am picking, picking the underdog. I'm picking Alexa Grasso to stay the okay. champion and get it done by decision. And I think it's just going to come down to good game planning. Um, I think Valentina's going to try and be very aggressive and try and get it over very quick, you know, first three. And that's a possibility, you know, she's, she's proven herself over the years, but I also feel like she's on a bit of a downslope at the moment. Yeah. Um, before even the first fight, you know, Talia Santos. Um, and then this fight, she got choked out and she was speaking after the fight kind of very obnoxiously, like not really sort of acknowledging the mistakes that she made or anything she's always kind of hard to listen to yeah but i just mainly after the first fight of this one it made me like realize more like yeah i don't know it just it's like she couldn't conceptualize the fact that she pretty much close like very close to loss against talia santos yeah and then lost that fight by sub and but she was talking like she blew Santos out the water and blew Grasso out the water until one second where she got subbed and it was all over. Like, that's how she was speaking. And I was like, come on, you know, that's not what the case is. And yeah, so I don't know, man. I, I just feel like Grasso's team has kept her humble. You know, she's got the Diego Lopez dude training her up on the jiu-jitsu. She's young. Loopy's working with her too. Yeah, there you go. She's way hungrier. Like, you can't deny that. Like, of course, Valentina wants to get her belt back and be the queen, but she's been the queen the whole time. And now Grasso's from Mexico got this belt. Like, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think she's might lose one. She might lose two and then she might beat her three, four, five. Um, yeah, I think Grasso gets it by decision. Yeah, I think uh, Shevchenko has to get this by finish if she wants to win because that crowd is going to be nuts for Grasso. Um, now, the judges aren't going to be Mexican, I don't think, but uh, and hopefully not. Hopefully they actually go out of their way to not have Mexican judges on this card, but uh, unless it's for the Zell Huber fight, the uh, <laughs> Loopy fight, the Coppola fight, which neither one's Mexican, I guess, or the uh, Campbell fight, right? But, yeah, dude, I have to disagree with you here, man. I'm going to go with Valentina. I think, again, the karma thing. I think that she lost to Talia Santos, but obviously ended up getting that decision. And then she goes out there and loses legitimately to Alexa Grasso. But I think that she was getting cocky. And if you kind of look at, like, how this chick works, dude, she is she's a machine, man. Um, I know she's 35. She's getting up there, especially in women's MMA in this lighter weight class, 125, right? Um, I, I just, I, there's this whole narrative where these champions don't get their belts back after immediate rematches and they're pounding this in your head that that just never happens, right? And, uh, it happened with Amanda Nunez. I do think women's, um, MMA is much different than men and, 
let's be real here, dude. If if Grasso didn't get that that sub, she wasn't going to win that fight unless she, you know, got a fluky thing. And that's easy to say. You know what I mean? You can say, yeah, if you know your fucking aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle too. You know, you can say whatever you want about all these things, but just the way that it happened, I do think that Valentina was dominating. I actually think that Grasso won round one. And then round two, three, and four were all going to Shevchenko. Um, but she just did, for some fucking reason, a spinning back fist when she was dominating in the wrestling. Spinning um, back kick. Oh, it was a kick. You're right. Um, spinning back kick gets her back taken. And then, yeah, obviously, that's a wrap. I think if she just sticks to wrestling, I think if she dominates. By, by a crank, too. Not even a choke. Yeah, I mean, she was just, I mean, she's strong, dude. Alexa Grasso is very strong and very attractive, like I said. And, I, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if she could kind of do this because, you know, that the UFC wants a Mexican champion. There is also that narrative that Valentina can go up to 135 and make that very interesting there because uh, the 135 fighters suck ass. I mean, there's no one who's fun there. Juliana Pena is trash. Um, That's like the most entertaining fighter at 135, maybe. I mean, Holly Holm, no one gives a shit about her. Um, People are talking about how Ronda wants to come back. Like, they're trying to make that 135 division relevant, and it would make sense if Valentina moved up there. But um, I don't know, man. Something's just telling me, like, this is different than all the other ones where, you know, Kamaru Usman loses his belt, immediate rematch loses it. Um, Izzy obviously did it, but then lost right away after that. I think Valentina gets it, man. I think that it's it's a strange... Strange kind of situation when you have something like this, but and it, it's weird, dude. It's weird when the champion is the underdog when she like legitimately finished, like she finished Valentina. So it's weird that she's the underdog. I think that they're kind of trying to bait people in. They have this belt, you know what I mean? Like this whole dog and pony show that they're doing. I think that these main events, if, if anything is rigged in the UFC, it's these main events where they're actually telling them like, hey. Go out there and do this. If if that's the case, it's Never. These big high profile main events. Not fighters. Not these fighters. Dude, did you see the thing with Aaron Rodgers and the people were like, like someone someone's Twitter account got banned because two hours before the game, they said Aaron Rodgers is gonna go out and tear his Achilles tendon in two and a half hours on MetLife uh stadium. And he did. Down down to the fucking minute, and this dude's Twitter account got banned. This shit's scripted sometimes, man. I'm not saying all of it is. I'm well, not I need saying you to send me some info on that after this, because that sounds like something I want to look into. It's wild. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, I can send you some stuff on it. Um, because I, I had Aaron Rodgers running for 3.5 yards. He had to run over <laughs> 3.5 yards. I, if I touch the football every time in a professional football game, I can get four yards you know what i mean and i'm not an overly athletic dude okay um but yeah aaron Rodgers blows it out it was on september 11th in new york i mean come on there's a lot of shit there so yeah it was a really weird thing sports sports can absolutely be rigged especially when there's a lot of energy on the line there's a lot of money on the line there's a lot of like investment from all sides um i think that the the narrative is that grasso is the better money maker for Mexico and all this stuff and like the whole Mexican fan base. But yeah, dude, I, I think something's up here. Something just 
feels weird. This narrative that champions don't ever get it back and the, the age gap and all this stuff. I think this is where it's different. So I'm going Valentina. I could be totally wrong. And everything that I say just sounds like a crazy motherfucker rambling, um, which literally there's a 50, 50 shot of that. The odds even reflect that. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm going Valentina, dude. I think, um, I think she's the greatest female fighter of all time by far. I mean, I like, so I will start by saying I will put my last extra unit on Alexa. Secondly, I've always been a massive Valentina fan. Still am a fan of her. But as I said before, I'm just not a fan of the way she's been talking lately. It makes me like feel like maybe she's gotten a bit too big for her bridges, bridges, whatever the fuck that saying is. Or bridges. And I, yeah. I mean, both can work, right? But yeah, I, 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 she just worries me a little bit. And I just think Grosso is so much hungrier. I, I think she just wants it so much more from, for different reasons. Yeah. You know, the reasons Valentina would want it is to just the whole champ thing. You get, you lose your championship. You want to take it back. You, you know, that, that whole thing. Whereas Grosso is like, I've just got this. I, there's no way I want to lose this. I always feel like you're not a champ until you defend it either. And I know a lot of fighters subscribe to that too. Um, yeah. I just think the hunger is going to rule out in this one. But, I mean, Valentina is a fucking beast. So Yeah, no, I agree, dude. I think that Grasso is hungry. She wants it. I think that, you know, it's a new thing. And you're and, right, you know, you're right about treated... the money, too. Oh, it's yeah. Absolutely. That's what the UFC would want. I feel like they, they would want Grasso. Like, even though Valentina is like the OG and shit, the money's with Grasso. Well, the money was with Adesanya too, man. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it doesn't all work. I think that I honestly do think that like they kind of like the script was kind of like not followed with this Australia fight. You know what I mean? With uh, with Izzy and Sean Strickland. I think that that's where it fucked up. The odds of it happening, in my opinion, twice in a row are are not likely. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go with, uh, like I said, Chevy here. The Chevy. Um, I guess she goes by bullet, but still Chevy sounds better. So. I don't know, man. It's going to be an interesting card. Great stuff. I'm going to make some, uh, like I said, some Mexican food. And uh, the graphics will have more next time, and they'll be more accurate as well. A couple fuck-ups on there, but that's all on me. So, <laughs> you know, it happens. You guys get the idea. I point them out, and I correct them here. So uh, hopefully you're not just listening, uh, or hopefully you're not just watching with no volume. You shouldn't do that anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, we got a lot here. And, um I hope that your your first leg of your uh, ladder hits. I hope that my second leg of my Eiffel Tower hits. Uh, we don't have any contradicting bets in those. I will have a small parlay contradicting one of yours, but I'm not going to put much on there. Um, I even the- thought about potentially because my my ladder bet will finish a couple of fights before the end of the card, even maybe chucking a second ladder with the in the same card but why not we'll see what happens yeah i mean i already sussed one out that's fairly reasonable i think it was zell huber round to start round two shit uh, valentina to start round two and then i think it might have been i don't know one of like maybe couple of or something like that thrown in there and that was nearly a and a you know very slightly plus money parlay so we'll see what happens i'm looking at something with uh with cortez lacerda kapalov padilla uh and holland all together um that'll be a pretty substantial one there 
if I end up pulling the trigger on that, but we'll see, man. Uh, I mentioned my Eiffel Tower already. Uh, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? I didn't get going. It's fucking midnight here, basically. So yeah, no, all good, man. Um, good luck to everyone. Yeah, we enjoyed the pod, and yeah, look forward to a few of these fights. Some of them are blah, but some of them are like the Holland fights should be fucking crazy. So we'll see it- what happens. We said the same thing last week, but we also said we're going to have action on every single one because that's how we do it for some <laughs> reason. We have a problem. So, uh, yeah. yeah, guys, bet responsibly. Hopefully you guys all win and uh, hit us up. We'll be here. So thanks, guys, and take care. Peace.